that, that that's part of the process that we're doing there. And then a lot of times when we talk of, of that is just to tie into our first line, is new birth. So we as believers are, are birthed through salvation, conversion, in that, and we come into the kingdom of God only by being born uh, of the water and the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, because the spirit gives birth to spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9 says this, If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. In other words, we could say it this way, every born-again believer has received the Holy Spirit. Every born-again believer has received the Holy Spirit. Because we read that from Romans 8 9 already. And then here's a passage you don't have, but I'll just reference for you and read to you. In John verse 20 and 22, this is when Jesus was um, in the latter part of his ministry when he was about to go and to be with his father. It says that he gathered disciples together and it says, Jesus breathed on the disciples and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so for the disciples at this time, when he breathed upon them, the breath of God, I, I love the Hebrew there because it sounds so cool, the ruach of God, the, the very breath of God, the blowing wind of God, that when he did that, that's when for his disciples, they received the spirit of God. And, we, and it was kind of the conversion experience and there was a later a baptism or filling of the spirit with we'll reference as well. But we see that again. And again, it reminds us every born again believer has received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. But this particular passage in John 20, verse 22, I said, is before the day of Pentecost. And so we kind of see a progression that's going on during that. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And he's not just talking about physically saying the words, but what he's saying there is that it, it's almost like he's talking about a profession of faith, that we can't you know, we can't profess aloud with our, with, our, with our voices, with our lives and everything else. We really can't express that and convey it to others if we haven't experienced it. You know, that, that because that's the experience it comes, that we receive the Holy Spirit in that. And the way that we say Jesus is Lord is because of the new relationship that we have through the agency, through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. All right, Roman numeral number two. Believers, not only we said from before or birth, but believers are also empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and, and we're birthed by the Spirit, we're, we're use the phrase born again, we come in relationship, we come in as his sons and his daughters. But also, um, kind of a step that goes along with that, and then further on, as we see from the Gospels, that we are empowered, that, that having the presence of God and having the anointing of God, having the Spirit of God, come upon us and come in us in our life, we see that it brings empowering. Matthew 3 and verse 11 says this, Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and then I wrote in here, I should have written in before my notes, and with fire. You know, that, that Jesus um, was in the same time that John the Baptist was baptizing, and John the Baptist baptized with water, but he said one's going to come that's not going to just baptize of water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with something else. So it was the third thing. That's good. If I had something to give, I'd give it to you. That's good. Be imparted. Be blessed in that. But it's so we see that. We see John the Baptist came to set up the coming of Jesus, and he had water baptism that was involved in that. But he was pointing beyond the water baptism to the time that we'd be baptized or filled and inundated with the presence and the power 
and the life of the Holy Spirit that we have in our lives. And it's interesting because there, there's a lot of ways and different testimonies that this can come in our lives. And um, I just wanted to share a little brief testimony of myself of, of how I came into relationship with the Lord, how uh, I came into salvation, and then also beyond that, how I came into uh, encountering the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and what that was all about. But, and some of you have heard this before, but we started many, many years ago, and I grew up in Menden, Louisiana, and um, which we have people that come over from the Menden area and different ones that still come, and we had a, a vineyard church that was there. And, uh, but we just started in home meetings. And in the home meetings were places where, where people that were gathered and they were hungry for the Lord and hungry for the presence of the Lord and hungry for the, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I remember going that, that first night and I had always been a faithful churchgoer. I loved to sing and, and the hymns and the hymns the, that we had there in the Methodist church that I was growing up. I always loved singing and worship. And, uh, but when we had this meeting and it started in my parents' house and we're there and someone brought a guitar and they're singing songs and we didn't have any overhead projectors. I don't know how we made it. You know, we didn't have any of those things. We didn't even have song. We just had simple little songs that we would learn and remember and we began to worship the Lord. And in that, we'd have a time of, of worship, and then we'd have a time of teaching. And the teaching was about the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit and salvation and being filled with the Spirit and all that was involved in that. And um, so we went through that, and the first night after they did that, some people went in a room, and, and they prayed for them. And when they prayed for them, um, they received the Lord, and, and some were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was an incredible thing because even though I really wasn't a believer in the sense that I hadn't been fully converted or anything at that time. That when I saw one particular young gal that had been prayed for and, and had given her heart to the Lord and the presence of the Holy Spirit came upon her, I could see the glow that was on her. I didn't realize there was actually gifting that I would have later, but I could see that. And I saw that and I knew that the presence of God was on her. And when I saw that, it just grabbed my heart and it's like, God, I want your presence in me. I want when people look at me to be able to see you, Lord. I want to see your presence. And, and so I remember um, going home that night, and, and, I, and that night and really every night of all that week leading to the next week when we had our home meeting, I, was just, I didn't sleep very much because every night it was like I was working through my theology, what little theology I could have as a 14-year-old, but the, the theology that I have and the ideas that I had about you know, if God ever showed up, he had to show up in the big building with the steeple, you know, and didn't know he could show up in our living room. But it's just like I went through a week of purging that the Lord just began to wash away a lot of my ideas, and a lot of concepts that were important. They weren't bad, but just they're important for me to have the foundation of the simplicity of the love of God, the presence of God that later would introduce me to the power of the Holy Spirit. And so in that, I went through the entire week and just crying out to God and and everything else, and it came to the um, time that we went to the meeting again. And here's the way the meetings went. The meetings went, we had worship time, we didn't have guitars early, so we'd just sing acapulco, acapello, and we would we'd sing some songs, little songs, and different ones would share testimony, and usually someone there would do a teaching. And then after that, there was a break, usually, and, you know, coffee and that sort of thing, and and, uh, and then after the break, they'd come back, and there was some more meetings. These meetings went all night, it seemed like. And um, then they would have time for prayer. 
And during that week that I was waiting to go back, it was like I said, the Lord was just, was just going through my mind and washing away everything that I thought about him and thought about church and thought about the kingdom of God and just was washing it. And I was just so ready for the presence of God. Uh, as I've told some of you before, when I tried, the first time I tried to read the Bible, I, I, I tried reading it and, you know, I read, I read the first part and that didn't make any sense. And I read the begets and all that didn't make any sense. And, and after a while, you know, I didn't realize I was reading someone else's mail. And, you know, you don't understand mail until you read the mail that's written for you, right? And I didn't have that there. But I went through that week and I, I, hunger grew in my heart and it's like, okay, this next week when we have the meeting, I'm going to make sure that I get prayed for. I wanted to lay hands on me and, and receive the Lord and presence of the Lord or whatever is there. And um, as, as I said, the meetings would go and then there was a break and then there was another meeting. And it was probably close to midnight before they started praying for people. And I remember when they prayed for me, it was when people, just simple people, these were not ordained ministers or anything else. These were just people that loved God, been touched by God. But I remember that when they prayed for me, I felt literally the presence and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the Lord come upon me. And, and, I, and it was almost like that I saw um, a whole list of things that were just washed away that I wasn't even aware that were problematic. It just was like this cleansing and I felt this joy and this excitement, and, and, and it was just the entrance into a new realm of the Holy Spirit that was so, so important. But for me, and I thought about it later, I thought, well, let's see, so was that my salvation? Was I being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit? Or what is that and all? And then I just realized that, it, that titles didn't matter. And so what I decided was that I just got the package. I just got the package, you know. I got the one that had salvation and the Holy Spirit or whatever. And we don't need to get caught up in that part, but what we do need to understand is that salvation is important when we confess that Jesus is the Lord of our lives and ask him to come in and live there, and that's an important part. But a lot of, right along with that, and sometimes there are the package deal, is the coming of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit to be in our life, to guide us and teach us and equip us and to use us for that. And so that's, that's what we're looking for here is we're the baptized of the Holy Spirit. As I said, I had the package deal. Acts 1, verse 8 says this, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. This is Jesus that is um, uh, that's speaking and teaching here and, 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 and it's in relationship with John as well. And he tells them that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them and that they'll be witnesses. Now, it's interesting, the, word, the Greek word for witness is the, is the Greek word martyrio. And you know, you probably have heard, you know what the word martyrio means? Martyrs. So wait a minute, I didn't sign up for that one. That's, that's got to be wrong. Well, that, that's actually what it means. People always say, what does it mean in the Greek? Well, there, when it says, you'll be my witnesses, it literally is talking about you'll be my martyrs, not that we're all called to, to give our lives to the Lord. But what, it, what he is saying there, what the Lord is showing us there in that is that being witnesses means that we have to be willing to take risk. We have to be willing to take steps and leaps of faith. We have to be willing to be rejected by others and sharing the gospel and sharing or praying for people or ministering to people or just even loving people, that that's all part of the process. And it's a good thing, you know? And so in that, um, there's, as part of the package, there's, there's salvation, there's inflow, infilling of the Holy Spirit, there can be outflow, outflow of the Holy Spirit, and we see that. We receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
And it says, literally, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we see that in Scripture. And so that we are filled with the presence of God and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses, our martyrs that lay our lives down wherever we go, whether it's in classrooms, whether it's in our neighborhoods, whether it's in church or anywhere else, that we are called to do that. We're called to walk in that and, and to do that as believers we're empowered by the Spirit to do that. I just love, as it were, the example uh, of Peter. Peter wrote down here, Peter was an impulsive betrayer. You know, I mean, he, he was impulsive. He's like, Lord, these other guys, I'm paraphrasing, they may reject you. They may turn their backs. But me, never happened. Never happened. Well, what happened to Peter? What happened? He turned his back. Nope, you got the wrong guy. Not me, not me. And it said he even uttered a curse. Now, that, isn't, that crazy? isn't that crazy? Someone who loved Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who will become a powerful disciple, that, that when he's confronted, when he's there warming and Jesus is there at kind of the beginning of the trial and people said, oh, you're with him. He said, no, I wasn't. Another one, oh, you're with him. Oh, no. I said, oh, you were. Your, your, you know, your accent betrays you. And, he's, and then he cursed said, nope, I wasn't with him. And then when he did that, in, in one, one of the passages, it says Jesus looked at him, and he wept, and he went off weeping. And he was just broken because he realized he had denied Jesus out of fear. He had bowed the knee to fear instead of bowing the knee to Jesus. And that's one of the things that, that as, as believers empowered by the Holy Spirit is we want to bow our knees to the presence and power and anointing of God and not to what others think or in that. But Peter went from being that impulsive betrayer to being a confident, powerful, and bold apostle. Won't take time today, but if you look at Acts chapter 1 and 2, when they went through the process after Jesus has, has been crucified and he's raised from the dead and they spent time with him and he tells them to tarry and wait for the day of Pentecost. And we see that during that time that Peter all of a sudden rises up and, and, and he's also gone through the experience of where the Lord has has spoken to him and ministered to him in the process. But now he's bold and now he's a leader among the, the people. And when the Holy Spirit falls, he's explaining to people what the Holy Spirit is, who the Holy Spirit is and what has happened and what's, what's, what, what it's all about. So we see him going from just impulsive betrayer to confident, powerful, and bold apostle. All right, going on for believers, the power as believers, the power to be a committed and effective believer is found in releasing the power of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. As I said, you know, for me it was a life-changing and it was a doorway. But for us as well, and whether it's something you've never experienced or whether it's something that you've experienced uh, briefly or a short time ago or many years ago, we need again to press in to the presence of the Lord. We're not that we're just looking for experience, we're looking for relationship. Believers and relationship in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the doorway for us to enter in that'll take us on through eternity. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says this, or in paraphrase, the Holy Spirit empowers us in our prayer life. Ever said, you know, boy, I really want to pray, but when I try to pray, I fall asleep or I get distracted or 
this or that. Have you ever had difficulty, you know, you say, Lord, I'm really going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray an hour a day. That's, if you haven't prayed 30 minutes or 20 minutes or five minutes, that's probably lofty, but you know, go for it. But in that, um, we see that, that we're called to, to press in and the Holy Spirit coming into our life teaches us how to pray because it teaches us how to pray for our, our own needs and the needs of our family, needs of our loved ones. But it also can teach us and show us how to pray for people in the city and to pray for our cities. I mean, I have a, I've told you this before. I have a prayer list on different individuals and things from the church and people I know and other ministries and that sort of thing. But also during my prayer time, I'm also allowing the Holy Spirit to come and speak to me and maybe to direct me to pray for someone that I know. Maybe pray for someone that we've had spoken before, like John Thomas or someone like that. And I just feel a time it's, I don't know what it is, but just to pray and intercede for them or to encourage them and that sort of thing. We're called to do that. That's part of, of being believers empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's being empowered in our prayer life. In Jude verse 20, it says this, You, dear, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. How? By praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, that again, when we're saved and then we're filled with the Holy Spirit and that process that's there, is that that encourages us, that builds us up, that strength, strengthens us. You know, when I'm, when I'm driving often by myself, I'll be praying in the Spirit, or when I'm at the house and I'm praying and I lay hands on me, I pray then, it's almost like I can feel a battery recharging. And how many of you have electronics? Wow, that's the, this is the most amazing group I've ever seen because no one has any electronics. That or we're not, I need to do a message on truth, one of the two there. <laughs> Or wake up or something like that. Yeah, wake, up. wake up, that's it, wake up. But let's uh, go back to where I was there. But a, a lot of times, the thing that drives me crazy with electronics is how quickly the battery goes down. You know, whether it's a phone or this or that or this, it's always going down, so you have to buy new batteries or bigger batteries or, or things like that. But what the Lord is showing us as believers in the Holy Spirit that carry the presence, the resident presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that we can, as it were, charge our batteries. And so when we pray and when we worship and we come together as the body of Christ, that's a time that we're charging our batteries. That's a time that we're being renewed. That's a time we're being encouraged. That's a time that, that helps us. But I've, I've especially found that, as Jude, Jude 20 said, building yourselves out the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. As I'm traveling by myself, I'll, I'll, I can pray and just pray, you know, out loud or pray just under my breath and, and just really do that. And often when I'm praying, I, I hope that uh, Vernon won't tell me that this is against the law to do because I always, he was off, he was officer there. But a lot of times when I'm praying, you know, I'll just um, have a hand on the wheel and maybe a hand on my chest. And I can literally feel the presence and power of God that comes on me during that. And just in times of really seeking after the Lord in that. I'm a good driver. I try to be a good driver, so don't have to worry about that. But that's important. All right, Roman numeral number three. Believers are gifted by the Holy Spirit. Believers are gifted by the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Starts off in verse number one, says about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. And then we can, verse three says, no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So we, we understand and we recognize and we honor the name of Jesus and, and who he is by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives that has brought us into salvation relationship with him and then walking on. But he tells us here in verse number four, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit, the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everything, it is the same God who is at work. Now we'll look at some of these in, in, for just a second, but I wanted to just pause there is because sometimes I've seen tendencies that we have in people or maybe in my own heart or whatever, is we see someone that's very gifted. You know, maybe they're gifted in laying hands on the sick and they're, they're healed. Maybe they're gifted in God um, speaking to them about how to, how to understand and interpret dreams. Maybe it's something of where someone is prophetic and they're able to hear the Lord or different things like that and, and to give words or encouragement or whatever else. And um, what the Lord says is there are different, a lot of different kind of gifts and they have different purposes. You know, John Wimber used to talk about this, the founder of the vineyard, and he, he says he liked to think of the gifts of spirit in relation to, you know, whatever, I guess, sport you do, but he, he always liked it like, take, for example, playing golf. You know, that if you're going to play golf, um, that it's helpful to have a whole variety of clubs because one, one big club doesn't do the same job as, as others do, and so... He, he used the analogy that when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, that it's like that, or it's like tools in a bag. You could have a, a worker that has a bag full of tools, and that we need those tools. And when the Lord releases the gifts of the Spirit in our hearts and our lives, and every believer has that, that potential to do that, he does that, and he gives us the tools that we need. Maybe it's a tool for witnessing. Maybe it's a tool for praying for someone. Maybe it's, it's a tool to, you know, to do this or to do that. Those are there as part of the, the giving of the Holy Spirit, the, the overall pouring for us of what we need. And sometimes we may have some gifts that we're very confident in. Other times we may, it may be um, just um, that we, we see a, a little glimpse of it. And those are things we'll probably talk about in the future as we look at it in messages as well. Romans 12 verses 3 through 8 says this. We are called to use our gifting in humility and service to others. That's a whole passage that you can read on that that talks about that. It says also in Romans 8, 5, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set, and another way to, to translate that word set is have their minds stayed on what the Spirit desires. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise mine. But how many times do you have your mind wandering? How many times has it wandered since I... No, don't say that. Since I spoke today. Sorry. I'm speaking today. It's like, okay. Haven't heard any snoring yet, but we'll see about that. And so, you know, that... that where was I in my message now? Okay. So we, we want to have our mindset on what the Holy Spirit desires in that. So we live our lives as disciples or as believers. I put that in there. Uh, put the, I wrote in believers as well. Because it is, it's, you know, it's being believers, being believing believers. And there's a tension that we have of walking by faith and not slipping back into our old thought patterns. How many of you had this happen of where maybe the Lord comes and he says something to you or you get prayed for, or you get ministry or you go to a conference or this or that and something just really happens and you get excited and you get encouraged and, 
and you just really get focused. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to do this and all. And then something happens that kind of robs it, and you get discouraged, or you get, you know, uh, you, you just you start going back to old thought patterns. And the thought patterns are things may say things like this: "You'll never change," or "You'll never make it," or "You know," or "You'll never." No one likes you. And most of the time, our thought patterns are based out of um, bad ideas and bad thinking and bad reasoning. And they can, a lot of times they don't have to come from the enemy, they can just come from ourselves. You know, or they can come from what others say or that sort of thing. It's, it's such a sad thing in our society that we often put other people down because we're trying to build our own insecurity up ourselves in that. And, and ministering by the, as believers in the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to encourage, we want to build up, we want to edify. That's the whole purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is to edify and to do that and to grow up in that. So we want to walk in that tension of walking my faith and not slipping back to those old thought patterns. What we look at sometimes is I like to define it this way. Christian living is often based on the tension between being ruled by our soul, and our soul is kind of our mind and our emotions and, you know, the soulish realm. The soulish realm isn't the spiritual realm. But, the, but dealing with that tension that we have there between being ruled by the soul are ruled by our old nature versus being ruled, are led, are directed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I wish I could say there's just one prayer or one, one anointing or whatever we could just pray for one another and never have a problem again. But the truth is we need to continually be pressing in to deal with those thought patterns, to deal with the attitudes, to deal with the insecurities, to deal with the hurts and other things that are there so that we may be healed, that we may be used for the Lord to do that. Because the Lord has called us in Galatians 5, uh, verses 16 through 26. And I want to read there. Galatians 5 and verses 16 through 26. Here he says, So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what does it say? How many of you want to walk by? We want to walk by the Spirit. We want, to, we want to have a lifestyle that. We don't want it to be an occasional exception. We want to come to the place that we can walk by that as believers in the Holy Spirit. And it says we walk by the Spirit when we walk in accordance to the nature of the direction, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Then what we're not doing is we're not feeding the desires of our flesh. So he says, verse 17, the flesh, that is our inward nature apart from the, the Lord, Desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to flesh. They're in conflict, or you could say they're in war with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. And then he gives us some examples. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, Factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It says, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we'll look at the positive in a second, but, I mean, does that little section that we just read, doesn't that describe a lot of what we see in society today? You know, sadly, sometimes some of those things are not just outside the walls of the church, but they're in our hearts, they're in our minds, or things that we fight or deal with in that. But then he gives us the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance. 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it said there's no law against these things. In verse 25 it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And so, man, just the difference there, you know, that, that God wants us to walk with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all those things. And that, that phrase he was over and over, what we make room for, what we focus on, what we make room for is so true. We need to build in our hearts and lives these things, the good things, and not the acts of the flesh. It's so, so important for us in that. Disciples produce, the, the, I have your blanks here, the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the sinful nature. All right, Roman numeral number five. Believers are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, there can be a season, there can be a time, there can be a meeting that we prayed for and that we receive impartation and, 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 and there's anointing that comes and that stirs in us and, and that's good. And, and so that can be um, a time that comes in that. But it doesn't just need to be an impartation every day or every week because what we want in our lives is we want to be continually filled. You know, in, in um, Prophecy of Joel, refers to us, and you see this in, the, in your notes about Acts 2, 1 through 4, talks about that the early believers will fill with the Holy Spirit and release in the gifts of the Spirit. And we see this as a prophecy in Joel uh, verse 17 through 21. In that prophecy, and we see this in the, in the day of Pentecost, if you read that passage there, you see that it was all prophesied that there would come a time that the Holy Spirit would come and would be poured out upon the people and what would happen in that. And so uh, we see that on the day of Pentecost, and we see that that took place here. We see that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were released in the gifts of the Spirit and uh, by the presence of God. Acts 4, verses 28 through 31 says this, After prayer and seeking God, the disciples were filled again with the Holy Spirit and power. You'd say, well, if they were filled with the Holy Spirit, did they get a junior Holy Spirit? You know, why do they need to be prayed for again? Why do they need to be filled again? That's it. That's it exactly. Is that we leak? You know, we, uh, we we leak. We can can be attacked by the enemy. We can go through difficult times. You know, we need to continually be being be being refreshed. There was a phrase that was very very common in the early days, is that there's one baptism in the sense of that we're baptized, you know, in water or baptized by the presence of the Holy Spirit, but many fillings. It's not just okay. It's it should be our, our should be normal in our hearts and our lives, that we continually are crying out to God, fill me with a fresh baptism, or fill me with a fresh anointing, fill me with a fresh outpouring of your spirit, of your presence, of your healing, of your love, of your character. You know, crying out for those. You said, you said well, that just sounds selfish. No, because the whole idea of that is by doing that, it'll change our hearts, and in doing that, we can reach out and change the hearts and bless others. Everything... You know, has that circular motion in that. Luke eleven nineteen through 13, we're almost through. It says this, ask, seek, and knock continually. In the Greek language there, you could put this phrase in front of it, keep on. You know, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking continually for the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Matthew seven eleven. A lot of this is for you to kind of study on your own. So we need to just keep on keeping on in our pursuit of the Lord, of the presence of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord, to do that. 
in that to, to continually do that, to knock and seek for that. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20 says that it's God's will for our lives. Literally, again, the, the continuous presence to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I kind of liked, I, I wrote this in my notes. What the Lord is looking for us is for us to be intoxicated on the things of God, not by the things of the world. You know, that, that what he's looking for us is that we're, we're, where our thirst is satisfied, where our hunger is satisfied, where the, the purposes of God are satisfied in our lives. It's when we're hungering and pressing in and saying, Lord, fill me again, refresh me again, renew me again in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit, in that. That's the heart of the Lord. If we can see that happen in our hearts, in our lives, in the lives of the church, in the lives of the body of Christ, guess what? You don't have to take out billboards or anything to tell people, hey, God's here, God's doing this. They'll just see us or see you. And when they see a truly man or woman or a young person truly filled with the presence and the Spirit of God that are loving and kind and, and bold in a way to, to give out the love and presence of God, we won't have to worry about going to find them. They'll find us if they can really find people that are in touch with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your passion. We thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for the coming of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made. And Lord, I just pray again today that you will just touch us afresh. Lord, that you will just, that as believers, that we'll also be filled afresh with your presence, with your power, with your anointing, and with your Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, I just pray that, that you would plug the holes where we leak, that you would, you would help us in those areas that, that other things slip in or other things slip out. But, Lord, we just want to be continually filled with your presence, with your joy, with your anointing, and not just for ourselves and not for our church, but, Lord, we, for your kingdom, for your people, for the people of Shreveport and Bossier and all around and those that live around us. Lord, may we be carriers of the presence and the anointing and the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, God bless.